introduce something we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, just uh, leading up to Christmas. Um, it's the time of the year that uh, tradition has established uh, that we celebrate Jesus' birth. And maybe no, we don't really know when he was born. We he could have been born in this time of the year. A lot of people think he was born in the fall because typically shepherds weren't hanging out in the fields in December, but who knows? Might have been a warm spell. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly when he was born. And and part of that's because we won't be that big of a deal. In fact, the early church didn't even didn't even celebrate Jesus' birth. We won't get into how all that came to be and everything. Uh, the big thing, though, that for us is... Um, you know, it's a time that we set aside time to remember the miracle of Jesus' birth. And it's an opportunity to talk about our Savior, right? It's an opportunity to uh, open up doors. Uh, you know, uh, it's important to talk about him to people who are lost, right? It's a time where you can maybe get those opportunities. But but what about for those of us who already know him? Why do you think it's important to talk about him this time of the year? Because it's not like you're going to be talking about anything new, Right? We're not, we're not finding some lost books that we're going over, and you're like, oh, yeah, here's what Jesus did when he was a boy. We're not, we're not doing any of that. Why do you think it's important for us, though, to go over what we already know about Jesus as believers? Okay. Yeah, and it can be very easy. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having times of celebration and things like that. Uh, but sometimes people who don't believe in Christ go a whole different direction, with with what they're thinking of this time of year and uh, so for us you know it's just a reminder hey it's a it's a good time of the year for us to reflect on christ and, and i'll say this not just to reflect on his birth you know that's a part of it but his whole life you know everything who he is to us and what he's done for us so uh you know when it comes to what's going on in our lives, let me let me ask you if you've thought much about this. Any of you ever stopped to think about what am I spending most of my day thinking about? You ever go, okay, what do I think about most of the time? Because, you know, I don't buy into that whole theory that when you ask somebody what they're thinking and they say nothing. <laughs> I think your brain's always working. Now, you might not be aware of what you're thinking and you might not be able to stop and identify because you weren't really thinking about what you're thinking. But you're always thinking, right? There's always something going on there. And, uh, you know, I think that there's like this narrative running in your mind all the time. There's a story because we, we like stories. We like the way things um, pan out in life. So you might be thinking of something that's a fantasy. You know, sometimes we, we think about the TV shows or the movies we watch or books that we might read that aren't even true stories. They occupy parts of our thinking. And, and so we kind of live there. Uh, sometimes it's what's going on in our world. You know, news is 24-7, right? So we, we're always aware of what's going on, so maybe that's occupying our mind. Sometimes it's our own story that occupies our mind all the time. You know that? Uh, sometimes we, we're thinking about what's going on in our lives, and, and you know that, that sometimes that narrative, when we start thinking about ourselves and what's going on in our lives, a lot of times isn't really super accurate. It's kind of skewed a bit. Uh, sometimes the way we see what's happened in our lives isn't always accurate. Did you know that? I mean, it might seem weird because we seem like we have the best seat in the house to see what's going on in our life, but it gets a little a little uh, off sometimes. And so when it comes to what's going on in our mind, 
You know, we should stop and think, okay, how much of my day is spent on what? What is? What am I thinking about? Now, I say all that to say this. What if um, we took intentionally a lot of our time and thought about Jesus? I don't mean I don't mean just go okay I got a mental picture of a painting I've seen of Jesus so I'm thinking about Jesus. I mean we stopped and thought about you know this time of the year we think about his birth but but we stopped and we thought about what he did, what he said, who he was and we and who he is and we put our minds intentionally on him. I mean what do you think that might do in our lives if we did that? Now I, this this series we're going to do going up toward Christmas, we're going to call it Loving Jesus because here's the thing uh, that I think is really important. In our lives, um, what we know about Jesus should impact us, okay? Because here's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be people that, that get to the end of, you know, time and we stand before Jesus and he says, I never knew you, right? We can say, well, I knew about you, Jesus, but, but it's not just about knowing about him, right? It's about knowing him. It's about relationship with him. So when it comes to uh, knowing him, when it comes to loving him, being known by him, we want to make sure, okay, do I have relationship with him or do I just think about concepts, ideas, uh, facts? Is there a real relationship and, and what does that look like? You know, what does that mean? What's it involved? Uh, here's a description that I think is pretty good uh, that helps me as far as where we should be headed. This is in First Peter. You don't have to turn to it. I'll just read it to you. It'll be up on the screen. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter's speaking to his readers at that time. He says this, Though you have not seen him, which would be us as well, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Isn't that a neat description of what our relationship with God should look like, what our relationship with Christ should look like? I don't see him, but I love him. And, and, and even though I don't see him, I'm excited about my relationship with him. I, I enjoy my relationship with him. Now, I won't, say, I won't ask how many of you think that describes most Christians, but let's just say we're aiming there, right? That's, that's where we want. That's where we want it to be. We want it to be that kind of relationship. And so um, as we start to think about uh, him and we start to think about everything that he's done and, and his birth and his life and, and all those things, I think that's what stirs that reality for us. That's what stirs, you know, when you're, when you're in a relationship with a person, the reason why the first phase of relationship, like a dating relationship, is called infatuation is because all you think about is them, right? You're infatuated with them. And all you think about is good stuff, right? So you know what that does? You know what that does for your emotions? It just pushes them through the roof, doesn't it? Because when you think about somebody all the time and you think about good all the time, now you know if you get married and then you spend however many years down the road and you know every flaw and you see every one of those flaws every day, chances are you might be experiencing something very different because all you're thinking about is the negative things, right? So those things impact us, and and so with when it comes to Jesus, I mean. My goodness, there's positive stuff. That's all there is to think about. So when we start doing that, I think it stirs our love for him. Now, here's what I want to do with this, though, and, and I think this is important. You know, one of the things that I'm always hoping for on Wednesday night, but I always find challenging to do, 
is to get people involved with it, okay? Now, you guys do a good job responding to things, but but this kind of stuff that I'm about to pass, I'm about to give you to do, sometimes is a challenge because people forget. So you've got to, if you need to pull out your phones and type in a reminder or whatever, here's what I want you to do. Now, I'm going to take tonight and, and show you what I'm after with this. Because what I'd like us to do is for us to, to take some time over the next few weeks and just think about, okay, what is it about Christ that really stands out to me? When I read the Gospels and I read this portion, it's like, okay, that says something to me. That speaks to me about Jesus. Now, we could say that about all of them, but I'm guessing each one of you have different things that say, you know, something specific to you about who he is or what he taught. And so, but now here's what I don't want you to do. Don't go for his birth because we're going to hold that for the last. All right, we'll, we'll hit that right at the end. But here's what I'd like you to do. It's like you, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to carry the time. All you have to do is come with something, all right? So I don't feel like, oh, I've got to be the one that, like, speaks for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. No, you just got to have something. Now, here's what I would like you to do is have Scripture, okay? Don't just, don't just tell us something, but read something. You know, read a passage so we connect it to the Scriptures. And, and then, you know, share, okay, here's something that stands out to me. Here's something that, that I see about Christ, and, and when I do, it speaks to me. It makes me think. It, it stirs my heart, Whatever, however you want to explain it. And so I would like you over the next few weeks. Now, I'll have stuff because when I throw something out like that, I never want to just depend completely that everybody will have a, a lot of stuff because then we might just be standing here looking at each other. So we're not going to do that, but I'll have some things. But I'd like for you to bring some things too, okay? We, we may not get to yours that week if, if multiple people have something. But be thinking about that. Be reading through the Gospels. One of the things I think is a great thing to do this time of year is not to just read the story of Jesus' birth, but, but just start reading through the Gospels. Just start reading, you know, pick one and go all the way through. You know, pick one that uh, you can pick Luke, uh, Matthew. Those two both have, those both have the story of his birth involved in them, but go all the way through it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain how, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples tonight, and then you can ask me if you have any questions about what we're doing. Uh, first one for me, okay, when I, when I read the Gospels, Sometimes, I'll tell you a little something about me. Sometimes at night, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be wide awake. And my mind will start going. And when that happens to me, it's hard for me to get back to sleep. Okay? Just, just something I, I occasionally deal with. Thankfully, not all the time, but occasionally. So, I, I basically what I, I am prepared for that by having an old iPod that I've got the whole Bible on. It sits sits there and I'll put it on the gospels and just put it in and just start listening. I figure if I'm going to be awake, might as well be doing something productive at the time, right? So I always, I, I tend to always go to the book of Matthew and start when I'm doing that. I'm not totally sure why, but uh, I'll tell you a couple of my favorite scriptures and maybe that'll uh, give you a little example of that. But one of the passages I really like is found in Matthew chapter eight. So if you would, I'd like you to turn over there. This is one of those passages that tells me a lot about Jesus. And, and, and this is what I'm looking for in what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Okay, because here's the thing about Jesus. Everything he did, everything he said, shows you something about him, right? It tells you something about who he is. It tells you something about how he feels about people. It tells you uh, what he stands right after. We're going to start in verse 1. Now, this is right after the Sermon on the Mount. 
This is right after he, he's done with that long message that we have in Matthew 6, uh, 5, 6, and 7. And he says this, and when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. So I want you to get a picture of what's going on. He's just been, everybody's been sitting down, listening. So he starts walking down, and, and crowds are pressing around him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. Now, have any of you ever seen pictures of someone with leprosy? I almost pulled a few up, and then when I pulled them up, I was like, that's really bad. I don't really want to put that up there because it's, it's, a, it's a gruesome disease, isn't it? Uh, it's one of those things that when it happened to somebody, uh, it, it, it was pretty much a death sentence for them in, in a lot of ways. One, immediately you were, you were ostracized. You could not be around people. So, uh, you know, you had to go live with other people who were lepers. So it, it ruins your life in that, that respect. And then can you imagine when you had sores and things all on your face, all over your body, sometimes toes missing, fingers missing. Uh, it's a, that would be an embarrassing thing, wouldn't it? Even if you were around people, you'd probably be ashamed to be around people. So when this person comes forward here and comes to Jesus, uh, he's taking a big risk, isn't he? First of all, he's not supposed to be there because he's unclean. And, and they had to go you know, before shouting unclean whenever they came up so nobody would, would come near them. And he comes close, and, and he, because he's got something on his mind, he wants to, to have Jesus heal him. Now, so would you agree that this guy's got some faith? I mean, he really, he really believes that Jesus can do this. So let's go a little further. He knelt before Jesus, and he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, here's faith there. I am convinced, Jesus, that if you want to, you can heal me right now. You can do that. So here's Jesus now. You know, think about the setting. This guy, Jesus has just preached this message, crowds of people all around him. He could have said, you're not supposed to be here. He could have said, you know, this is the wrong place. You shouldn't be around all these people. He could have said a lot of things, right? But what does he say? Jesus stretched out his hand, which that tells us something too, right? Because have, have any of you ever, you know, I get, I get this probably more so than maybe some do because I visit people in the hospital. You ever been around somebody who's contagious and they ask for prayer? What do you think? What goes through your mind? <laughs> Where can I touch them? <laughs> you know, how can I touch them so that I don't get what they've got? That doesn't seem to go through Jesus' mind at all, does it? Because leprosy, that would be the thing you just wouldn't touch. But that's not what he does, right? He stretched out his hand, and he touched him. Now, chances are this, this is probably the first time this guy's been touched in years by anybody. So when Jesus reaches out his hand and touched him, when I, when I read that, I hear compassion. I hear all of a sudden this guy feels not only is Jesus able to heal him, but Jesus cares about him. He cares for him. So he reaches out his hand, and he touched him, and he says, very simply, I will be clean. Now, this is one of the things that amazes me about Jesus, too, because if you've ever been around, you know, sometimes in the church we get a little, I don't know the right word, but we get really dramatic about praying for people, and, and, and you know, it's almost like if we, 
the bigger the fanfare, the more we're going to get. And, and Jesus doesn't ever seem to do that. That's what amazes me about him. He doesn't have to stir anything. He doesn't have to get people excited about what he's doing. Nothing seemingly to me. That's how I see it. And he just says simply, I will. Be plain. And, and it's just simple. It's straightforward. But he has the authority to do that. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, you know, I've I've been around people who've had progressive healings of things, but that would be something to see, wouldn't it? To somebody who had leprosy that was obvious. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, okay, go in the back room and look under your shirt and see if that spot's gone. It was probably all over him. And all of a sudden, he's clean. What do you think the people around him thought? I mean, don't you think that was pretty amazing to see? So Jesus says, I will be clean. He's cleansed. And then Jesus does an odd thing. He says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Why do you think he did that? We don't know exactly, but but why might he have done that? Don't say anything to anyone. Do you think that maybe Jesus wasn't so much concerned about his name getting famous and people coming to him just to be healed as he was touching people's souls, touching people's lives, feeding the hungry in the sense of hungry for truth and spiritual things? I mean, he could have certainly every day lined up sick people. They were probably everywhere. So he says, don't go tell anyone. And, and maybe, because he, he obviously wanted him to go follow the law. He wanted him to go and offer the sacrifice that was commanded if you're cleansed of leprosy. Now, here's the thing that's interesting, too. If you were this guy and you were, you were asking Jesus to heal you, did you know that, that in, in Israel's history that we have, we only have record of one person ever being healed of leprosy in Israel? Well, he wasn't an Israelite, though. So... And he is definitely a record of somebody being healed of leprosy. But as far as Israelites go, as far as somebody who was an actual Jew, we only had one, and that was Marion. So think about the odds that this guy is looking at when he comes to Jesus. You know, nobody, I don't know of anybody that's ever had what I have and been healed except for one. You know, so he's got a lot of faith. But Jesus says, I want you to go offer the gift. And then I want you to show them. Why do you think he might have wanted the priest, the, the religious leaders, to see what happened? Shouldn't that have said something to them? I mean, shouldn't they have gone, wow, this doesn't happen. You know, this this is not normal. This is not something we see every day. In fact, who knows? Maybe they never had anybody even offer that sacrifice that was commanded to offer when you got healed of leprosy. And so he says, go tell them. And maybe he told them not to tell anybody just so they'd, he'd get, he wouldn't get distracted and he'd go take care of business that he gave him to do. But Jesus says, look, go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded. So Jesus, that guy leaves, all right? So the next thing that happens in verse 5, it says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him 
appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Now, this guy, when you listen to his story, what do you hear? You hear somebody who's just concerned about getting his servant back to work? Or you hear someone who's really concerned about his servant? He's concerned about his servant, right? He's trying to help his servant. So he comes and he tells him, my servant, um, getting errors on my on my iPad here. He says, my servant is sick and, or is paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, that would that would be a pretty good offer, right? For Jesus to say, I'll come to your house. Most of us probably would have been happy, would have wanted him to come to our house, right? Because then we could say, well, Jesus came to my house. <laughs> and so he says, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replies, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. So once again, we see some great faith here, right? He understands something about Jesus and he goes on to explain. He says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him. Now, there's a couple of times when Jesus marvels. One of them was marveling at unbelief when he went to his hometown and they didn't believe and he couldn't do many mighty works there. And this is the other one where he marvels at what? Faith. He's like, wow. Now, that tells us something about Jesus too, doesn't it? Jesus likes it when people get who he is. Why do you think he likes that so much? Because he's got an ego and he's like, oh, hey, they know who I am. Why do you think he likes that? Because it says something, right? And, and it's, it's actually good for us when we get who he is. So when he sees that, he's, he's not just impressed by it because you get who he is, and that's part of it, but he's also realizing, you know what, that's good for you that you get who he is. That's the best way you can live life is getting who he is. So he's, he, he begins to explain a little bit about this, and he says he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west, and this guy was a Gentile, and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, who's he talking about, the sons of the kingdom? He's talking about Jews, right? People who believe that just because they're born into something that that gives them status before God. And so Jesus is saying, no, those aren't the people who have status before God. There's going to be people that come from everywhere that are going to be sitting in the kingdom, and you guys are going to be on the outside looking in. And who is he talking about? He's talking about believed. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So Jesus said, look, I'm going to honor your faith. That tells me some stuff about Jesus too, doesn't it? That when he sees somebody believe in him, when he sees somebody trust in him, he responds to that. He responds to it. And it also talks about his power here, right? Because he could just say the word and he didn't have to be there. It could be he could be healed. So it doesn't have to be a certain way when it comes to the way God works in our life, does it? He can do anything. Sometimes we, we have certain things in our mind and we have certain ways that we think should things should be done. 
Uh, we have certain methods that we adapt, and we think, okay, that's the way God always does stuff. And Jesus has proven here he can do it however he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it. So at that very moment, that servant was healed, and Jesus wasn't even there. Let's go just a little bit further. This is another passage. This is this is one of my favorite ones because I, I, I think about this, and I think, what would it have been like to be here at this time? In verse 14, Jesus entered into Peter's house, and he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. She didn't even ask, did she? Here Jesus comes into somebody's house, and he sees somebody sick. She's got a fever. And, and he touches her, and all of a sudden, now if you've ever had a fever, you feel pretty miserable when you have a fever, right? All of a sudden, she's not feeling bad anymore at all. She gets up and begins to do things for them because he's instantly healed. She's really healed. She's instantly healed. So she begins to serve, and, and Jesus did that just out of his own compassion. But listen to this part in verse 16. And that evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. So imagine you, you've seen the leper. Okay, you follow Jesus down from the mountain. You've seen him do this with the leper. That had to be impressive. Then you hear what happened with the, the centurion. Now, they probably didn't know the information immediately because uh, they don't have cell phones. You know, they're, they're going, hey, she's, he's healed. They probably didn't know that immediately. But obviously, the leper had to be a big, uh, <laughs> that happened right away. Then Peter's mother-in-law. And so now, people are probably thinking, let's go get everybody. Let's go get whoever we got that has something going on. So the first thing he talks about here is people that were oppressed by demons. Now, that could mean a lot of different things, right? I mean, that that can show up in people's lives in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, this this week I was I was thinking particularly about, and actually heard something somebody was talking on the radio about uh, the, the what happens to people when they get depressed and, and depression and how that can affect our lives. And, and you know, there's when we talk about things like that, there's this big debate about, well, is this is this chemical? Is it is it something that's uh, just in our thinking? Is it is it a spiritual matter? And and my answer to those things would be yes probably all of those things it can be. But sometimes, sometimes it, it is just a, something going on in your body. But sometimes, and I think the difference is, you can tell when something is oppressive in a spiritual sense. Not just you don't have energy, you don't have, you know, motivation to get up, but when you something's just sitting on you and something's just pushing you down, that's a spiritual force. And so in this case, he's, he's delivering people from being oppressed by demons. Now, we don't know specifically how that was showing up in their lives, but it seems like there's more than one here, right? So there's people who are, who are dealing with this for whatever reason. You know, who knows? Maybe in, in, in that day there were some people who, who were a little bit, they thought they were a little bit crazy, and they brought them. Or, or maybe, you know, there were people that were depressed. Maybe there were people uh, who, who just had gone through something difficult and, and, and they just pulled away from people and, and they were oppressed and they'd opened doors in their life. And, and, you know, they wanted those people back, so they brought them to Jesus. And so he healed them. So he was dealing with people that were oppressed by demons. And he says he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now, what stands out to me when I read that 
is that, first of all, when he dealt with, with oppressing spirits, it probably wasn't a big show and a big, you know, thing that goes on sometimes when people get into deliverance ministry. Uh, he just cast out the spirits with a word. And I don't wonder what that word was. You know why it probably doesn't tell us? Because you know what we would be doing? We'd pick that word and we'd like say that word like it was a magic word. And, and it was his authority, though, that mattered, right? Uh, it was his authority that mattered. And then it says he healed all who were sick. So imagine again the picture. You know, they probably lined up people. And, and Jesus touches all of them. And, and I don't think it's an accident that the word all is there. You know, because the writers were intentional, right? So he healed all the people that came to him. And so when I look at that, I think, man, what would that have been like? What's that like to watch Jesus? And then it tells me something about Jesus that he cares about people. That when he looks at people's lives, he's wanting to restore their lives. He's wanting to deliver. He's wanting to heal. And then in verse 17, it says this, because Matthew always pushes back to Old Testament prophecies and draws connection to them. And he says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So he's watching this and he's thinking, that's what the prophet was talking about. Here Jesus is. He's taking our illnesses. He's bearing our diseases. And that prophecy was all already foreshadowing what would come, right? When he would hang on the cross, when he would be beaten, he would take stripes on his back so that everything that sin had done, which, you know, sickness, disease, demonic oppression, all those things, result of sin, right? All came into the world with sin. And so Jesus is showing, look, I'm going to take that stuff. I'm going to take it. And so this passage to me, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, that, I, that I think about and, and it forms questions in my mind when I think about it because I think, okay, God, why not heal everybody today too? And I don't have answers for that. I really don't. But I don't have to because that's between, it's up to God, you know, what he does. But when I look at this, it just tells me stuff about Jesus. It tells me who he is. It tells me how he feels about people, what he wants to do for people. Now, the other passage that I want to mention tonight for me is, is back a little further. So if you have, if you're in your Bibles, you can turn back over to Matthew chapter 5. And we could go through the whole passage that we call the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount um, is, is amazing when you go back and look at the teaching that's there. But here's, here's something that stands out to me. Now, uh, Jesus uh, has, has sat down to teach people. In fact, we'll pick up in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down. His disciples came to him. Now, remember in those days, they didn't have amplifiers. So sometimes Jesus would take a boat, and he would push out a little bit and sit in the water. Now, if you know anything about sound, when you sit, get on the water, it amplifies, right? So in this case, he would get up a little bit higher than people so they could see him. And hear what he's saying. So he sat down. It says the disciples came to him and he opened his mouth in verse 2 and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when, when you hear the word blessed, we're talking about happy to be envied. This is the person who's blessed. This is the person 
who who is who you want to be, right? Now, Jesus is going really contrary to normal thinking here, isn't he? Because when we hear blessed are, we want to put things behind like those who drive nice cars. Blessed are those who have nice houses, good jobs, and make a lot of money. Blessed are those who never have any physical problems and have perfect health. Blessed are those whose families never have any troubles. Blessed are, and you know, we could throw a lot of different things there, right? That would be the typical thinking. Oh, this is the, 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 the pinnacle. This is where I want to be. And Jesus didn't say that. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are those who know who they are, who have a humble opinion of themselves. So he, he starts going down, and we're not going to go through uh, what the meaning of all these different things are, but let me just read you a few here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, we don't think it's blessed to mourn, right? We're like, I don't want anything in my life that makes me mourn. That'd be blessing. Jesus said, no, the people who, who mourn know something of the heart of God that's different, and they experience God's comfort in a way that is, is a blessing that they get to him in that way. He'll comfort them. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, a lot of times we don't want to be meek either, right? Because if you're meek, that means you got to know where you stand without having to prove it. That means somebody's probably challenging it. So, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In other words, you're blessed if your whole life is focused on pursuing God, not other things. That's when you're blessed. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, if you're merciful, guess what you're getting opportunities for? To be merciful, right? Because if you're a merciful person, there's got to be some people in your life you're giving mercy to. He said those people are blessed. They're going to receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, nobody likes to be persecuted, right? But you know what's interesting? If you if you read in the book of Acts, when the disciples got persecuted because of, of Christ, they came back from a beating happy. Right thing. Let's be doing something right. What just happened to us is what Jesus said would happen to us if we were doing the right thing. And we're worthy, we're, we're counted worthy to suffer for him, and that's great. So they were happy about that. And he told them, be happy about that. Verse 11, blessed are, those, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Again, not something we normally get excited about, right? Hey, somebody's falsely accused me. I got reason to rejoice, right? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus said, just remember you're in good company when you start getting persecuted. Now, here's why this passage and, and everything that follows it, we won't go into all those things, but it stands out to me because Jesus, you know, he was never uh, moved by what the common way of thinking was around him, was he? In fact, when he taught, and if you go on in the, in the Beatitudes and you go through, well, that's, we finished the Beatitudes. If you go in through the Sermon on the Mount, he'll say things like, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And, and so what he's telling us is, look, he cares about truth. He's not so concerned about what everybody thinks. 
if truth and what everybody thinks collide, he's okay with that. He's going to let them collide. And, you know, for us many times, what do we do? We're, we're worried about what people think. We're concerned about saying it the right way. We're concerned about people being offended. And, and I'm not saying that we should just say things in a way that offends people, but Jesus is just concerned about truth. He's just concerned about truth. And so what you know if you're a follower of Christ is he'll always give me the truth. He'll always give me the truth. Even if it, it disagrees with my thinking, even if it's not what I want to hear, he'll always give me the truth. And that's what he's doing here. He's giving people truth. Uh, in fact, let me read you this one last scripture. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, that's really good news that you can trust that if you're a follower of Christ, he'll always give you the truth and he'll always lead you in the light. He'll never lie to you. He'll never tell you something that's not true. So if you're going to follow me, you'll walk in the light. If you're a follower of mine, you won't be walking in darkness and you'll have the light of life because he is truth. So you get him. And when you get him, you always get the truth. And so those are a couple of passages. I'm just giving you kind of an idea of what we're looking for as we go through this. But let me ask you this. Uh, Just the passages that we talked about tonight, does anything stand out to any of you about those specific passages that you think, okay, that's something that I think about when I think about Jesus. In that passage, this stands out to me. Anything that we didn't cover? Okay, so we can take away from that, too, that that he's responsive to our needs. He's responsive when we're seeking him that that there's real relationship in that. It was I think what you're saying is real personal. So it's not like way back here, generic. It's right up close. Right. Right. Yeah. And, And in this case, it was apparently a significant number of people, but they all came seeking him, and they all came to him. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, with that, too, that, that we can we can take away from that is also, okay, if, if I bring things in my life to Christ, he's never going to go, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. He cared about what was going on in people's lives, you know. And so even even beyond physical healing and things like that, anything going on in our life, it can come to him. And and I believe he wants to engage with us. He wants us to bring it to him, and he wants us to receive help from him. Because he's a savior, right? That's what he does, is he saves us. 
And so sometimes we think that's all about just getting out of hell. It's certainly a big thing, but it's about life. And, and that's really what I'm hoping as we go through this that we'll start realizing is, okay, what Christ is looking for with me is relationship. He's looking for something that's daily going on, that there's an exchange happening. There's a, a me seeing him in the right way and, and, and seeking him because I see him in the right way. And that's what was happening here too. People were seeing him in the right way. They were seeing him as who he was. And then they were seeking him out of that understanding and then him being responsive to it. And, and it's not, you know, sometimes it, it's, like I said before, it's, it just becomes about the knowledge. And, and certainly knowledge of him is important, but it should lead to engagement. It should lead to relationship. It should lead to something that's tangible and real in our lives not just, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ because I believe in the general things that he taught and I believe that he existed. But today, I'm a follower of Christ because he's leading me today. You know, he's leading me. He's leading my life. He's speaking to my heart. He's the one I go to. You know, he's my Savior. Not just because he saved me from hell, but he's my Savior in every way, every sense of the word. Okay, anything else that stood out for any of those passages? And he certainly was restoring this person's status, bringing them back so that they could go back into normal life. You know, they could, they could, because the priest, once that was, once that happened, you know, they were kind of given the okay, kind of like we would with a doctor today. It's a good point because he's, he's bringing that person, he's restoring their health, but he's also restoring their life. He's restoring their, their standing in the community in a sense, because now they can go on with normal life. They can be back with their family, be around their friends, uh, which is him again, caring for people. Anything else? And isn't it the idea of, okay, instead of just thinking what I've experienced God doing, I'll think about what he can do. You know, there's a big difference between what he can do and what I've seen him do, right? So maybe I haven't ever seen, maybe this guy, this guy hadn't ever seen him do that. But what was he saying? You can do this. I think you can do this. And Jesus responded to that kind of faith. So we don't really do God any favors if we're like, okay, God, I'm going to ask him for much because I don't think he'll do much. But, you know, he's up for a big request. That's a good point. Anybody else? Now, here's the thing with, with these kind of things when we talk about them. Sometimes when we read passages uh, about Jesus, we're, we're looking for methods or we're looking for 
how things work. You know, he did this or, okay, he, he spit on the ground one time and he rubbed mud in somebody's eyes. So whenever we face a blind man, let's grab some mud and put it in their eyes. And, and, and it's not really like that. What you see in, in Christ, you're looking for the principles. You're looking for the truths. And then those things transcend situations. You know, they, they move across all kinds of different things. And you never want to try to put him in a box because he did things different all the time because it was about his relationship with his father. It was about who he was. And so in our lives, here's what we got to realize too. He's going to do things different at different times. So what we're not trying to do is go, okay, Jesus, you did this this way, so that's how I expect you to do it for me. You know, if you get out in a storm and you're on a cruise ship and you go, I think I'd like to walk back to land, Jesus, you might find yourself in the water, right? Because maybe he didn't want to do it that way that time. So it's about relationship. And that's really what we're looking for in all this is, okay, how do I learn to, to have relationship with Christ? You know, I learn who he is. I learn how to trust him. I learn the things that, that, that he seems to value and that he, he's, he cares about. And I get who he is as a person. I get the compassion. I get the love. I get all that. And I start putting all those pieces together and I learn how to relate to him. Now, does anybody have any questions about what I'm hoping you'll be able to do from here on in? Right. Yeah. But you don't have to do as much as I just did. All right. So, so really, you can, you can have just one simple thing, you know, a passage or a story, uh, a teaching, whatever it is, and you can say, okay, here's what I get out of this, and then we'll open it up for everybody next week. So, um, well, where else would you get it? Oh, okay. Good question. All right. So, we're going we're to stick with Jesus. We're going to stick with Jesus. Okay. If I didn't make that clear, I'll thank you for clarifying. We'll, we'll stick with him. So, so when, it, when I asked that about the Gospels, I was trying to run through my mind. Um, I guess you could go to Acts and there would be some things. Huh? Yeah, there'd be revelation. That's true. So let's stay within the Gospels with it. Just just because we're focusing on his, and the reason I say this is because I think what we want to focus on is his time on earth. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't, yeah. Yes, his time on earth. That's where we'll stay mostly. I mean, I think that'll be, that'll be good because that way we can, because here's what was happening. When Jesus was walking on the earth, God with us, Emmanuel. You know, we'll, we'll probably hear that song in this season, and, and we think, okay, what did God do? He did the greatest miracle that could have been done for us by showing up. And, and you know, he could have stayed more vague. He could have stayed, you know, in a position where we didn't really have a good sense about who he was, but he wanted us to know who he was. So he showed up in flesh like us. And, and showed himself as clearly as he could be shown. And so what do we learn about him as we, as we read the scriptures and as we see what he did and what he said and, and what he valued and, and how he was among people? You know, somebody might say, well, you know, I really like the fact that when the disciples tell the children to leave, that Jesus said, no, bring them to me. I mean, that says something, right? It says something about him. Because he said, you know, this is like the kingdom of heaven is, is made up of. 
They love kids. I'm betting Jesus didn't look near as um, sad as some of the movies might depict. <laughs> I think he probably smiled a lot. I bet he laughed, you know. So, you know, uh, we, we don't want to add anything to the scriptures, but we do want to pull some things out that we can of, of his life. And so, like I said, though, just leave his birth, that miracle, until the end. And we'll, we'll hit that one the last time. Any other questions? Because I do want to make sure we've got it clear so everybody knows exactly what we're doing. All right. So now you'll have your assignments. Put a reminder in your phone or like the church Facebook page, and I'll send one out during the week that will remind you, and then you can be prepared. So, again, it doesn't have to be super long or anything like that, just something that stands out to you. And, and you know, you might find something new might not be something that you've thought of before, but as you're reading through the Gospels, it stands out to you and you go, oh, okay, this is a big deal. This is something that speaks to me. And it might just be this season of your life too because I find that happens too. All right. You can go ahead and shut that off, Corey.